You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So we're going to start by just telling you a little bit about how the trip began. Um, once the team was solidified, which we, we took all of us, um, so it's a group of 10 that were able to go to Rwanda this past year. This was the third year that the Advent brought a team over to the Shira Diocese. And so one of the things um, that we did is we got together several times and we read a couple of books. You'll see some photos that um, that lovely Alice has put together that um, maybe we'll address some of those. But Pete's going to talk a little bit about part of our study was going through a book called Helping Without Hurting in Short-Term Missions. Um, and so he's going to talk a little bit about some of the principles in that book. Uh, well, before we begin... Bethany had us all get together and read this book together, and then we kind of like a Bible study would meet and discuss it, which was a great opportunity for us to all get to know each other before we went. So the first day of the trip, we weren't getting to know each other. So that was really nice to, to get to know each other. The uh, the book kind of challenges your preconceived notions about what a short-term mission trip is. And a lot of short-term mission trips, you hear about people will go and do some type of service project. That's not what uh, we were doing. This book is not about uh, – it challenges those notions about providing – uh, short-term relief to long-term problems. That the book goes into great detail discussing or describing our uh, challenging our notions of poverty and challenging uh, how how we deal with it. So it really encourages uh, not uh, going there and providing you know shoes that might help for long-term, but really developing relationships with people that uh, over time can change people's <coughs> situation in in the culture <coughs> where they are. Understand? Yeah. And then can you, this is a pop quiz for Pete. We, we talked about what's the purpose of, our, of us going. Do you remember that? Does anybody remember? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we go? Oh. And that's because I'm not sure exactly what you're fishing for. So there's, there's a line in the book that we kept going back to, that the purpose of, of trips like this is to learn from, to encourage, and to fellowship with believers from a different part of the world and to understand more fully our role in the body of Christ, um, which is an encouraging thing because it means that we go and we don't have to do anything amazing. We just can can be the presence of Christ in a different place and it means that we each have something to learn from in these relationships. It's developing relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so part of the, the fun for this trip was that we were able to go with um, some children and teenagers. Um, so Alice and Lucy and Margaret Moore, um, and to be able to experience their experience of Rwanda through their eyes was a pretty special thing. So um, Alice put together this, but I thought I was, I'd ask them a little bit about the culture as we experienced it. So Alice, what was one of your favorite parts of visiting Rwanda? The people there. All the kids would like swarm around the bus when we were stopped, but they would chase after the bus when we were going. And sometimes we were afraid that they were going to get lost, but they never did. I don't think so. <laughs> and um, they would they would always, um, when we were stopped, they would ask you all these questions, like what your name was, and how old were you, and that was, oh, and um, they would yell, Mzungu, Mzungu, <laughs> when the bus came by. And... What and what does Mizuku mean? Yeah. It it means uh, white person. Okay. <laughs> 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 white skin. Oh, white skin. Well, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And um, Lucy, what was one of your favorite parts of the trip? Um, I like the drive, and in the drives we would see a lot of Rwanda. It had a lot of mountainy, but mountains, but they were hills. Because they, were, what's Rwanda's called? What? The land of many hills. Thousand hills. Thousand hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost all of the hill, like everywhere we went, there was always farming everywhere. I mean, there's so many, it's so green, and, um, yeah, it was very pretty, and there were banana trees everywhere, and the bananas were really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a good segue. So, Mark, what kind of food did we eat when we were in Rwanda? Well, we ate some really good chicken and potatoes, and there were lots of bananas, which were really, really good. And then we had some vegetables at every meal, and then the breakfasts were really good. We had some really I feel like I'm saying really good a lot but <laughs> it was all just good food and the bread especially that we had for breakfast was was very very tasty and then the bananas of course were amazing yeah, yeah. what was different about the bananas they were tiny and they were so sweet and they were just different they were different from like bananas that we have um yeah, they were good. Yeah. Anything else that y'all noticed during our time there that was fun? Ooh, the wooden bicycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a there picture was, somewhere. I think it already went by. But so these girls were amazing at being observers. So one of the things I think when we're in our day-to-day routines, you just are, can be very focused on what's that next thing. And so everyone was very aware that it was a very special time that we had and so even in our time on the bus we were able to engage in just wonderful conversations but also just pay attention to what's going on outside of us whether it's the people uh, people that were working the children that were there the families um, and and then we would come together after um, the day was over and share different things that we observed Oh, good. You put that picture. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before that, there was a nice picture of Lucy. Yeah, yeah. Annie. Um, Annie. Perfect timing, Annie. Right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Annie Lee. It's <laughs> <laughs> very weird. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, so we're talking about the culture. And so Annie is the worship assistant here and works with the 11 o'clock refectory service and the 5 o'clock service. And so with her here, we wanted her to talk about some of the things she noticed in the worship in Rwanda. Right now? Right now. All right. Um, Well, just a little bit of background. I graduated from Sanford in May, and my degree was in music and worship. So um, I felt like a very random and evident call for God to take me to Rwanda with Bethany and with everybody. And um, it was just kind of like, okay, I guess I'll go. And I was really excited because I had just finished four years of studying about different kinds of worship and different cultures of worship. And I was like, I finally get to experience one firsthand. This is my first time like going into another culture and seeing how they worship and how that's different from how we worship here. Um, And one takeaway that I had from college that I was really excited to get to see firsthand was that there's so many different kinds of worship and there's not one that's wrong or there's not one that's better than the other. It just depends on the culture and like how people worship. Um, And so, you know, I grew up in a really uh, charismatic, non-denominational church, and then I came and I work here in, like, very different styles of worship, but both awesome and both honoring God in their own way. Um, So I was like, now I get to see a third way. Um, And I can't really describe it, like, accurately, um, 
But when you walked into the service, my, like Bethany said that all of us would have a moment where she looked at us and we'd be crying. I definitely had that moment. It was on the second day when we went to that school for the first time. And we pulled up and there was just a line of people, church members, just singing. And like, when I say singing, like, it sounded like an angel choir. Like, not just singing. I don't know. It was amazing. Like, harmony, amazing. Yes. Um, and um, I, that was my moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is exactly a picture of the kingdom of God that is presented in Revelation of like all these tribes and all these nations coming together and singing and praising God and doing that in different ways. But like, our God is a God of the nations, and through music, we, we were able to witness this. Wow, thank you. That was Lucy's way of worshiping God. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just to see um, all of these people singing was just like a really impactful moment in my life that I'm never going to forget. Um, in terms of like the actual worship services, um, it was really cool because they were singing, you know, a lot of songs that are um, traditional in Rwandan culture, I think, to sing. But um, even like I had no idea what they were saying. I didn't understand the language, but I knew that like when they were singing to the spirit or when they were, when they were singing to God, you could tell because physically you could tell that they're reaching up to God. Um, one thing that was really um, neat and interesting that you can correct me on, but I think that like every culture has like a different move, like dance move that they do. And Pete is really good at the Rwandan dance move. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to do it right now. Thank you, thank you. I, it involves like uh, jumping up and down in place. And like at first I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But then I like looked at it and I was like, wow, like that is the most physical way that you can worship God, like, use all your energy and, like, pick your legs up, and that's how they worshiped God, was, um, through, yeah, I wonder if you can see. Oh, Dad, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to pause it. Well, maybe you'll get to see it, but it's just very physical, and it's very cool to be able to see, um, just you know, play it? a lot of, um, a lot of Dif- it's okay. <laughs> It'll yeah. Um, yeah, it was just really interesting to see all these all these people like, physically worshiping God, singing with all their voices, and um, jumping up and down as hard as they could. Um, and I think my another one of my favorite moments in the last one I'll say was um, when we were in the diocesan staff meeting. Um, and we all had these little hymn books, and we couldn't, you know, read the King of Rwandan in the hymn books. But they started singing, and I was like, oh my gosh, we know these songs. And so we're singing in English, and they're singing Kenya Rwandan. And I'm like, these are the same words. This is the same God. We're all saying the same thing. Um, and I think that was just a really, really cool moment of, like, we, we all read the same Bible, we all worship the same God, even though we're on different ends of the world, um, when we come together, it's just like a really cool picture of, of the gospel, so that's all I got about worship, I hope that's what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you need to run, that's okay. But I'm good. Okay, good. I want to stay. Um, so part of, part of um, I think, the story of Rwanda that's important to mention, that there was a significant event in 1994. Um, when Rwanda went through 100 days of genocide. And Nan's going to talk about that because that's a picture of a, a moment in time of the life of Rwanda that happened. And then what's happened since then of God's reconciliation um, is just a, a part of, of kind of the beauty of 
what happens when God's involved in, in things. And Nan's going to talk a little bit about the, the genocide. Um, as Bethany said, the genocide happened in 1994. It was between April and July when approximately a million people were killed. And they were um, pixies and moderate pixies of people. And um, it happened after, there, there was, in, in the 1990, there was a lot of uh, hate uh, speech on the radio where they were uh, speaking, calling um, Tutsi people cockroaches and just dehumanizing people. Um, they published a, the, this group of extremists published a Ten Commandments of uh, Hutu where they forbid a Hutu man from marrying a Tutsi woman and it just, you can just imagine, it was, it was just horrific. Uh, then the president of uh, Rwanda and the president of uh, Burundi plane were shot down on April the 6th and that was kind of the um, on button for the genocide to commence and um, people just went out, neighbors killed neighbors, um, they were killed with machetes, with uh, clubs that had nails in them, uh, they were um, shot, it was just a horrific time, people fought um, refuge in uh, churches and some of the pastors opened their doors to the killers and allowed them to come in and slaughter the people that were there. Um, I, I just want to read to you briefly a, a, young, a man who was a teenager at the time of the um, genocide recently on a, um, an Instagram site called Humans of New York that Annie told us about. Uh, they, did an they did interviews with people who went through the genocide. And I want to also say that there were people that were, that they call rescuers, that hid people in their homes at great risk to themselves to um, protect them from slaughter. So this is a young man. He, he knows that his um, mother has already been shot and his brothers have been killed and he sought refuge in a church in Kogali. So the, the, um, the paramilitary people who are called interhombre inter have come to the church and they've told the priest, you give us these 70 boys. And the priest couldn't do anything about it, but they just came in and they were getting the boys. So this, this boy said, they called his name, and, but they, they used the wrong name. So he's kind of hiding among his friends. And then he recognizes that some of the people are people from his neighborhood. And he knows that they're going to eventually find him hiding. So he runs out um, toward a banana plantation. One of them spotted me and alerted the other. I jumped over a brick fence and dove into the tallest grasses I could find. Soon I heard footsteps. They were walking all around me. I remember one of them saying, cockroaches are so mysterious how they are able to disappear. He got so frustrated that he hacked the banana tree with his machete. The leaves fell on my legs. I was lying with my cheek on the dirt. I remember the exact time because my watch was next to my face. It was 12.22 p.m. I remember thinking, this is the time that I'm going to die. Um, so, in July of 1994, the um, Rwandan patriotic forces were able to um, defeat the Hutu extremists and they took back control of the um, 
country. And since that time, there has been a lot of uh, reconciliation uh, and forgiveness in the country. And that's mainly what we uh, concentrated on. We didn't we didn't concentrate so much on the genocide, but what is going on in the country now. Um, there are reconciliation villages where um, perpetrators live next door to uh, people who lost family members in the, um, in the genocide, and they're able to have a uh, good relationship. There's uh, a woman that talks about um, how she and the murderer of her parents are friends now, and she's been able to forgive them. So it, it's just a wonderful thing that has happened since the genocide. I think Martin's going to talk a little bit about what it was like to see the Holy Spirit at work. When you go into a place and you've read, which we read, you know, several books on of the history of Rwanda and then what it's looking like now, um, but it's nothing can compare to seeing to seeing that in person and then getting to um, to build relationships with people that have gone through that. So, what what did you notice and how the Holy Spirit's at work in that? So, yeah, so like Bethany just said, we, she, she did a good job of giving us homework before we left and things we needed to read. And I, I, I remember hearing about the genocide was 1994, and I, I remember hearing about it. I was in college at the time, but I, I didn't really know anything about it. I, I didn't know the details. And like Nan was saying, it was so, um, it, uh, I mean, we'll read about these things that are happening halfway across the world and it's 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 very easy for it to be very sanitized for us um which is you know in a way probably a good thing there's so much bad happening it would to, to take all that on personally would be would, would be um, would be tough but the more we learned and and, and uh, dove into the, the genocide in rwanda what was amazing to me was how how personal it it really was where this wasn't um necessarily just a military operation going out these were really saw instances of people who had lived next door to each other their whole lives might might be uh godfathers and godmothers to, to the children in the house next door um uh at a signal this is kind of pre pre-planned would come out with machetes, walk over to the house next door, and and murder their these people they live next to. Um, so, h- how do you, you know, how do you, how do you come back from that? How, how as a country do you come back from that? Um, and it, it was, you know, to, to go over there and see. And this, this is, this has been a while now from from 1994. But since then, that, that I know of or have read, Sam Jackie may, uh, may contradict this. I don't think there's been any any big reprisals. I mean, this is certainly there are people. I mean, you can imagine these are just, you know, any of us would have problems dealing with this. And there are people still coming to terms with reconciliation. But in general, uh, you would think there would have been revenge killings. I mean, in, in mass. And there have been some of course but not anything on a scale that you would that you would expect that, that you would want I mean if somebody did this to your family what would you you know where, where would you be with that and um, and what we saw was a country that was um, that is making a lot of progress the capital city of Kigali uh, was really you saw 
buildings, uh, old buildings coming down by the dozens and new ones being raised up. Uh, you saw, you know, read about these, the, these reconciliation villages where the country is working to, so the, the people that, that, that stopped the genocide and came into power were part of the group that was being, um, that, that were being slaughtered. So all of a sudden, these people are now in power, and, and for them not to have, I mean, what would you normally see happen? You, you would normally see, you know, see revenge and reprisal, and instead, this group has um, really led the, the, the charge to try to do away with the divisions that, that had come before. The, the, you know, we heard us say the Hutu and the Tutsi, these were kind of the two groups. Um, used to this people would have to um, people would have to on their identification card like their driver's license or something would have to have uh, a designation of whether they were Hutu or, or Tutsi mm -hmm. and this this group that came in the, the Tutsis um, did, did away with all that they did everything they they could it was being done to, to uh, do away with the division do away with the identification that there are two different groups um, we saw uh, I think one thing that, that struck us um, and we commented on a lot was um, what, what we saw were a real gentle people and um, uh, people smiled very easily uh, people were it was um, the girls were talking about how the children would run up to the bus to see us and that sort of thing we were such an oddball kind of kind of group for people to see um, but it was um, Everybody, well, some of us more than others, but <laughs> the, everybody was was so friendly and gentle, and you you just didn't get a sense of um, uh, that this was a, this was a, a country in, in incredible tension. Um, and you know, I, I can't fathom how they certainly had very strong leadership in the in the president that's that's in power, and um, but how they're there has to be something else, and, and the only the other other answer to that is there's there's something going on with the Holy Spirit that's that's touching Rwanda and and somehow taking what should be um, what should be a, a an ongoing and even an escalating um, situation and and seemingly taking that out. Um, one thing that, that Sam said to me when we were talking about this was, I was like, you realize that's a, that's a miraculous thing. And he said that the church had had such strength even before the genocide. For you, there's no other option to forgive. And to me, that was just a really powerful statement of, you know, when, when people's hearts are changed by the gospel, it's true that there's no way forward except through forgiveness. Um, and to be able to witness that firsthand is a really beautiful thing. Um, and to be able to see what the church is doing, it, that it's really thriving. And that's been such a gift to have a partnership with the Shira Diocese. And we were able to see so many different parts of their ministry. And Mary Berkeley's going to share a little bit about um, just the amazing work that's going on through the diocese. Can I read something real quick? This is, I, I want to share this too. I was reading through, Bethany had us keep a journal while we were there and write notes down and and I went back and read through some of that last night, and I had completely forgotten about this. But I was the first um, uh, the first day we were there. We went and visited the village, and we were as we were leaving, people would just come up to you and, and want to speak and want to tell you about themselves. And anyway, this this young man came up to me, 
and started talking. He was telling me uh, uh, about who he wanted to talk about the genocide, and he was in in training to be um, to to be a, a pastor. He said, you know, he talked about his his parents were killed in the genocide, and he is um, he's, he's now a preschool teacher, not a not a pastor, as well as a Bible school teacher. And but he said he was coming up. He remembers all this, and he wants to be in the church. That because he wanted to, he he wanted to forgive. He wanted to be part of uh, part of what was part of what was going on in the in the country that was to to further forgiveness. But anyway, the one one thing that in, in particular is that the first time he ever went to school was alongside his own children, um, and that was an amazing thing. I thought to, to um, that he had grown up without parents, without because of the because of the genocide. And then eventually when he finally did go to school, it was with his own, he was in class with his own children. Mm -hmm. so that was amazing. I have a question. With the aggression on both sides,
so that we don't go in with loudspeakers and pamphlets. Um, but he said, you know, when, when parents see that we are caring for and loving their children, um, they really see that and they're, they're drawn into the church. And, you know, in the villages, uh, they welcome, they welcome you know, the minister to people of all backgrounds, whether they're from a Muslim family or from, um, you know, the children of a witch doctor. They, they minister to everyone. And so when parents see this, they're just really drawn in. And um, in develop a relationship with the church and a relationship with Christ. So um, what I think we saw and experienced with the Shira Diocese is that it's the church is really living out their faith, not only with their lips, but in their lives. And they're doing it in, in so many different ways. Um, especially in education is one area that, um, that they've been children of all ages. Um, in the recent years, they've started like 200, more than 200 preschool programs. Um, this One Egg Project. So the churches were, um, you know, they were noticed with this being used one day of the week. So they had this idea to start using it during the week of preschool. So it provides an opportunity for the parents to drop their little children off during the day so they can go work in the fields. And then the children are well cared for during the day. They're given an egg, which is so important for their nutrition. They and the parents learn about hygiene. The children learn about Jesus. And um, it's it's just been a really great thing to draw families into the church. And um, one day when we went to visit one of the preschools, the One Next Project, the little children, and you've seen them in their little blue and yellow uniforms. They're so precious. And they were all lined up. And they were just singing the best very passionately and seriously. And um, so what, you know, what are they singing? And we were told that they were saying, we are the future leaders of Rwanda. We will work hard. We will study hard. And um, they were just so precious, so bright-eyed and um, beautiful. And they just melted our hearts. <laughs> Um, another another um, school we got to visit was called the Sunrise School, and this school was started um, after the, the genocide. After the genocide, there were just so many orphans, and so they um, the diocese created this school to provide housing and education for the orphans, and it has just grown into be the, the top-notch school in Rwanda. They still have um, some, you know, they have students that are. are um, scholarship, but they also have some paying students, and they all, <coughs> excuse me, score, you know, at the top of their, uh, top grades in, in the national exams, and um, I think some even are scholarships to colleges in the U.S. So, yeah, that's been really great. And um, there's another place we visited was a vocational school that the diocese runs. It's called MIPC, Polytechnic College, and that school um, trains young adults and um, vocational technical skills. So they learn carpentry and computer science, um, civil engineering, hotel and restaurant management. And um, their vision is to create a new generation of well-educated Christian entrepreneurial technicians and engineers. 
that was a, a beautiful school. They're beautiful gardens, and um, I took out them. And then another ministry we got to see was the Mother's Meeting, um, which is a ministry for women in the, in the community, supporting them in their marriages and their families. And um, they have a, the Mother's Union runs an uh, economic empowerment program where they teach vulnerable women in society marketable skills. So they make these beautiful skirts and clothing and table linens that we got to have custom made and make another beautiful basket from the bookstore. Jackie is the president of the Mother's Union, and she just recently started a new nutrition program for pregnant women and malnourished children. So um, they've gone out to each of the nine archdeaconries and identified um, like 15 women in each of those areas and are providing um, a nutritional forage and milk for these women. And so we, I guess it's like 135 people right now, but that's been, that's been really well received, she said, and they're hoping to expand that. Um, but I would just say that um, the church in Rwanda is, is just very, what we saw in the Shira Diocese, it's very active, hands-on, and fruitful. And one day, um, Sam couldn't be with us. He had to go to another archdeaconry to, to um, confirm 278 people that day, <laughs> which is just evidence of the growing church um, so, again, we mentioned one of the special things about this trip was that we got to take a whole family. So the entire clap crew came with us, and um, I, I think I told everyone when we when we got the group kind of finalized that I know y'all think like we know each other and like each other now, but by the time we come back, we're going to be family, mm-hmm. like all of us. Um, so what what was that experience like for you all? Um, well, first, first of all, Sam, I don't know if you know this, but when Martin and I were carefully considering going. One of our obstacles was if the two of us went, what are we going to do for our three children for 12 days? <laughs> it's not a whole lot of people jumping up and down to keep them. For that long, at least. Oh, that's You were in town, and we had a group of people over um, at the Kern's house to just talk about Rwanda. And you must have, the Holy Spirit must have put it in your mouth to say, take your children into the world. And it was, I mean, it spoke to me, and it, anyway, so we weren't going to kind of look at each other and we're like, maybe, hmm, maybe that's what we should do. Solve the problem of who keeps our children. And so we talked about it, and we talked about it, and we had Stephanie, so it's like, hey, um, anyway, so we decided to decide with us to go. And um, it, I think it was great for all of us to experience Rwanda, but then to watch children experience Rwanda. It was um, not only great for Martin and I, because they are children, but I think it benefited everybody to see their interaction with other children in Rwanda, other adults in Rwanda, with Sam and Jackie, with your children. Um, That part was a wonderful experience. Um, I think they... um, We've reflected a little bit about it. One thing that was unique about this group that was different than other groups in the past is we had elementary school representatives, junior high representatives, high school representatives, college, just fresh out of college, um, 
been in the working for four, ten years, five years, eight years, whatever it is. Empty nesters, young parents, a wonderful man. We just sort of, we have a large spectrum, so everyone, um, Every age group is represented in all sections in a different way. And one of the best takeaways for me as a parent is that now my three children have Pete and Mary Berkeley and Annie and Bethany and Nan in their life. And that is a bond you cannot, you can't, and Sam and Jackie in their life. It's a bond you can't, um, can't. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not. It's organic. You can only you can't manufacture. You that. can't manufacture that, and that's um, such a blessing to us as a family. So as I told you, we're, we're going to run out of time for things, and so we've got four minutes left. Um, there's many, many more things that we could say about this, but we wanted to give Sam and Jackie um, just the opportunity to give us an update on how things are going. Um, if you haven't heard, Sam graduated on Friday with his doctorate in ministry. Is what is what brought him and his family to Birmingham in the first place is when he began his studies. And so it's just the culmination of all of that and what a what a joy to see um, just how the relationship has deepened over the years. And um, we love you very much and we're so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Would you like to share anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for having us. We I would say we are the most blessed family to come over and be loved and open your houses and follow us home. I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, what I would say about Rwanda, Rwanda is a beautiful place. Rwanda, uh, I think the devil hasn't liked Rwanda. Rwanda has the first revival in Africa in the 1930s. So many people got saved. It spread into East Africa, into Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and people are still talking about it. But it is surprising that in 1994, well, from 1959, there was a big, uh, something evil really coming up through division and all that. And then in 1994, there was a genocide. But God always wins. Though there was a genocide for a hundred days, there is another revival that is on, but nobody is shouting about it. But this is what you people are seeing. The love, the desire to forgive, the desire to start again, the desire to do something new. I think that is something that comes from, from God alone. We talked about forgiveness. For us who lived in Rwanda, for us who lived through that pain, that bitterness, let me tell you, to forgive is to do a favor for yourself. But again, to forgive, it is by God's grace that you come. That bitterness is terrible. It is full time, it is painful, it kills you before it kills the other person. So we've been there. So we are not going back. We are determined to live a new life. We talked about bringing your children. I see there are some young people here. Let me tell you, if you want to learn, be open, know people, go open. Go in the name of Christ. 
because if you just join now, you can land in any. But if you know Christ and you speak to the right signs, let me tell you, you will have a good one. I've grown up with people from different tribes that have learned that everybody is unique. It's not about being white or being black or being another tribe. It's you. Everybody is unique. And let me tell you, you can have a friend from Italy, you can have a friend from China, you can have a good life anywhere in this world. As long as you are open and ready to listen to what the Lord is telling you. I'll give you an example. When I see Bethany, when I see all these people, I just feel like this is my family. We laughed, we had a good time. There's a photo I saw over there. I mean, I opened up my mouth. And, <laughs> I mean, we were just happy. We had a good time. And I want to tell you, we are family. We, we love this place. And we are going to take our love back to Rwanda and love those guys and do whatever we can do for ministry. It can be tough to make a decision like this family made. But let me tell you, sometimes we need to forget ourselves and do something for the Lord. To step in. When we came here, we didn't have a scholarship, we didn't have ticket, we didn't have anything. We didn't have house, we didn't have car. And you guys, you stick out. We had a pounding. Everybody wrote something. And the house became like a small shop. <laughs> we had sugar, we had paper, we had... I mean, that is just love. But love from everybody is it's another character. So I can speak all day, but I want to tell you people that Christianity is loving and stepping in front of someone. It's easy to say I'm stepping ahead for myself. Do something for somebody else, and the Lord will do something for you. And I'd like to conclude with this. The young people here. Uh, America has so many choices. But I want to tell you that you need to know what you want from your hand, but you may not know. But when you're a Christian, the Lord will never give you more speech. So I would really request you to stick in the church, read your Bibles, so that the Lord can show you where you are. Because America is a land, people say it's a land of opportunity, but let me tell you the problem behind the If you have so many opportunities, you get to right. You don't know what to I've been to Walmart, and I get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know what to pick, and finally I'm like, I'm Time is running out, I haven't picked anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you need to know what you want and you go for it. And that will be that that will make your life easy. The person and the thing to pick first is the most part of the person The rest will come online. I did that when I was young, and let me tell you I've never regretted it. Any single thing I ever did that was sensible was to become a Christian. And I've seen blessings. So, young people, take that. You'll never be alone. The world belongs to you because you have friends everywhere. And let me tell you, you'll never be stressed with decisions because you know what you are. So, 
highlight them by thanking you and to tell you please we'll be happy to receive any of you who come. But you really don't have to come to Rwanda. If you feel the Lord is sending you somewhere to do something, go and do it. Because only then will you fulfill your purpose. Because we are not here just to grow and, and die. And we are here to serve the Lord wherever the Lord is calling us. And if you don't go there, then you haven't lived it. God bless you. Thank you. Um, would you mind closing us in prayer? <coughs> well, I don't know if anyone has a quick question or something that I wanted to ask that I will answer maybe one or two and then we'll pray. Or you can ask him after the no. class is done. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for putting us on this world at such a time and bringing us together here at the airport. Lord, we really have no idea why we are here and why you chose us of all people. But Lord, there is a purpose and there is a reason. We ask you to speak to each of us and in a special way, Lord, I pray for the young people here that as they grow up, that they will know you, that they will love you, that they will have fun in life, a fun that is holy, fun that has a purpose, fun that has a direction to do your will. <coughs> May this partnership continue to grow. May we continue to love you and walk in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.